This is Creative Banter. As Ben and I continue our journeys in landscape photography, we find ourselves with a strong desire to learn more about both the natural world around us and the role nature plays in fueling our bodies. To be an advocate of nature means not only to speak on the importance of environmental protections, but perhaps more importantly, to live a more natural life. What that means, of course, is up for debate, at least to an extent. Not everyone can realistically live in a cabin in the middle of the woods with minimal outside contact. Still, we can dream. Nonetheless, all of this is on our minds as we discuss the making of fruit leather, the idea of eating primarily plant-based foods, and how simply being in nature without the camera can be more enjoyable than making a photograph. Let's dive right into this, shall we? Somewhere around that, I'm thinking, until my fruit leather is done. Till your what? <laughs> my fruit leather. Fruit leather. Yeah. So, so is, it, is it like a fruit jerky kind of a thing? It's like a fruit roll-up, but natural. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I saw this on uh, Instagram months and months back. Um, he posted this reel that pretty much says how to make fruit leather or natural fruit roll-ups, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. Using like fruits that are going to go bad and you just mm -hmm. pretty much throw like for the one that i did it was some strawberries blueberries and two bananas as well as uh like a tablespoon was it a tablespoon or a tablespoon of a half of honey and then two tablespoons of chia seeds and then okay blend all of that together and then you preheat your oven to 170 five degrees Fahrenheit and you just dehydrate it. You pour it out into a pan as like pretty thin is ideal. Yeah. And then it takes anywhere from four to six hours for it to like stiffen up to more of like leather. Okay. So it's just kind of a matter of it's kind of cooling off and dehydrating essentially. Dehydrate in the process. Yeah. Yeah. So the one pan that was the thinnest because um, it was the biggest pan that we have, that one finished up and it's actually pretty good. Um, not like I really expected it not to be, but yeah, it, it's just one of those like you know how a fruit roll up tastes. So and it's so filled with sugar and like yeah, you know the artificial flavors and everything to that. So you're expecting it to taste one way, and then when you get the natural version of it, it's kind of disheartening a bit in a sense because it's like oh, this doesn't taste how a fruit roll up should, but. Really, so is it is it just a different sort of sweetness, or does it have that same sort of like punch you in the face kind of sweetness? That, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's it's like just putting those three fruits in your mouth and eating them. Like you're not gonna get that same sugar drive, uh, like you say, punched in the face by the sugar and everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the the flavors are, I mean, they're natural. Like you're not adding any enhancers to them or anything like that. Like what they are when it comes to true fruit roll-ups. Um, yeah. Still good. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I'm looking forward now that I know that this really works and that I'm able to do this as simple as that is. I am looking forward to trying out different flavor combinations and making my own because 
I always enjoy fruit roll-ups, but I don't exactly want to be punched in the face all the time with sugar. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, um, yeah, so I've got another, a smaller tray of the whatever was left from the strawberry, banana, and blueberry. And then I also had a bunch of grapes that were going to go bad. So, I'm like, huh, let's see what happens here. Huh. I don't know how that one's going to go because like I know how like a grape fruit snack or something should taste, but because of it not having those enhancements, I'm not 100% sure if or how much of that flavoring that they give into it is artificial versus natural. Yeah. Yeah. Because the whole like artificial grape flavor is like nowhere near what an actual grape is. I mean, it's it's it is it's its own entity, but like it's just complete fantasy world when it comes to to flavor. So um, it'll be interesting to see how how that one turns out. Yeah, I mean, um, I could I yeah. can imagine putting like grapes with some other like berries, like uh, blueberries, blueberry grape, and like a black raspberry or something might help to enhance those flavors and everything. Yeah, but that's why it's all a matter of just experimenting. And the nice thing is, like, even if something goes wrong with it and it doesn't taste good and you end up getting rid of it, well, the fruit was going bad anyway. So, yeah, it's not like you're wasting any more than what would have already been wasted. Yeah. So, fun yeah, little my, experience. Uh, my, my wife and I just finished watching on Netflix the, um, it, it's a, a multi-part series about twins where they're given uh one of them is made for eight weeks to to be vegan the other one is an omnivore and then okay, keeps yeah. track of all their specific health stuff it was it was really fascinating just to look at that and how fast the human body uh can adapt when it is given you know good stuff as opposed to stuff that is perhaps a little bit problematic in the way that you know, our, our current system works for everything. So it was, it was a little bit of an eye opener. I'm, I am, uh, not, I, I very seldom ever have any red meat. Um, I have, you know, I'll have chicken and stuff like that, but seeing that is kind of like, oh, you know, I, I, I definitely do see the benefits where, uh, people will go vegan, but also certain things are far more difficult. But when you're talking about how you're able to, you know, make that go through the process of of making all that stuff yourself and knowing exactly what's going into it. Uh, it just made me think a little bit about the the series that my wife and I had just watched where, you know, for, for people that, you know, uh, do go that direction, it's it's a bit more difficult, but it's, you know, kind of learn a lot in the process. Yeah. I mean, the closest I got to going vegan was throughout last year, really. Um, just because of avoiding dairy almost as close to entirely as possible um, and trying to ramp up my whole food intake and all of that, trying yeah. to figure out the whole digestive stomach issues that I had. Um, mm -hmm. And I would, I mean, I would still love to go plant-based almost entirely with my diet because yeah. I just think it's, like we've talked about before, I think there is more of a fiber deficit than a protein deficit in our diets as it currently stands. Yeah. So, I'm not, it's not like I would be terribly concerned about getting enough protein going that way. Not like what a lot of people claim. I mean, I look at um, Rich Roll and he is probably one of the most well-known vegan athletes, um, has his own interview 
podcast that he's been doing for the past decade or two, something like that. Um, mm-hmm. And he changed his life around when he was in his late 40s, I want to say, somewhere around there. Just was overweight and living a very sedentary life. And one day was walking up the stairs to where his wife and youngest daughter were sleeping. And he got up to the top of the stairs and or couldn't even get up to the top of the stairs. He was just out of breath and sweating and terribly out of uh-huh. shape. And he just had this like epiphany of not being able to see his daughter walk down the aisle to get married in yeah. however long it would have taken, but nonetheless. Um, and that just wrecked him and made him completely change his life. He, or his story is like phenomenal, and I highly recommend reading through his book that he has um of course now i blank on the name but <laughs> yeah um, that's what show notes are for <laughs> yeah exactly or quick google searches yeah <laughs> it's gonna bother me if i don't finding ultra is the title of the book and um it's just it chronicles his changing his lifestyle completely and becoming this massive endurance athlete um at a very late stage in life compared to when most people start that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so again, highly recommend anyone to read it. But he's kind of like the model that I use for going plant-based because, I mean, if someone can do the things that he has done doing these major triathlon races and all this stuff, um, th- yeah, there's, there's no reason to think that our bodies aren't capable of getting the nutrients that we need from non-animal-based products. Especially now, yeah. I mean, you have Beyond Burger, you have all of these fake cheeses that are coming out to, and fake like egg, uh, what is it, Just Egg is one of the uh, other companies that they have that are coming out with all of these alternatives that are plant-based that pretty much taste the same, but just a little differentiation here and there. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just picturing all the negative reviews that are going to come in when people come in here expecting, you know, hot photography talk. But instead, they're hearing about your fruit leather and vegan talk. <laughs> hey, whatever. <laughs> yeah, honestly, whatever. I, I, whatever. Yeah. We're, we're going to go from, what, 12, 14 listeners down to like 10. So, yeah, that's all right. That's fine. Yeah. It's the true number to keep track of. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. not too overwhelming and we're good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but it, it's... These are all it, things that I'm constantly yeah. thinking it, about. It's, some, it's something I've been thinking about too. Um, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I already know I'm there for like my my breakfast is always um, I I just have buckwheat, blueberries, olive oil. It's delicious. It's you know nutritious. It's it's fully vegan. So I'm like, well, there's there's one meal. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. My my wife and I have been thinking about maybe. Uh, you know, doing some other substitutions here and there um, and uh, see how things go. But like for me, like with red meat, I've just, I've never, I don't know, something about eating mammals. I feel like they're too close, um, you know, and you know, something about the texture of stuff too. I just, I'm not a fan of, um, but uh, so I've, I've always pretty much avoided red meat regardless of stuff. Um, but just, I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I think it'll be interesting. Uh, Interesting to see where things come, but there there is definitely huge advantages when it comes to the environment and such, which is definitely going to be even more so of a uh, important issue. And I don't know, we'll 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 see on that. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a lot to 
think about with all of it, of course. And like the the biggest issue that I'm that I would run into right now as my diet currently stands is I have been having ice cream every night for like months now because yeah. I haven't been able to have ice cream in forever because of all oh, those okay. prior yeah. issues. So it's like a year or a year and a half of not having ice cream that's like okay now I want to catch up. <laughs> yeah. And so I mean obviously I can kick it. I it wouldn't be terribly difficult for me to not have ice cream at night. Um yeah. But it's still one of those little things of it, it was funny my girlfriend and I went I think we were out and about with during Christmas and I didn't really have any like desserts when we went to for Christmas dinner at her aunt's house, but I think it was on the drive home. I'm like, you know what I could really go for? <laughs> She's like, what? Like ice cream? She's <laughs> like, you're ridiculous. <laughs> and yeah. every like every 10 minutes or so, it was like an hour long drive. Every 10 minutes or so, I'm like, hey, you know what I could really go for right now? And she's like, shut <laughs> up. Just stop. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. It's just, you got to have something that you look forward to in the day besides yeah. sleeping. So, I, uh, I, you know, I, I'm not as big of a dessert fan as I used to be. Like for me, like if it's after dinner and I want something, I'll just grab some like cashews or something like that. I mean, like for, for me, that's, that's plenty good enough. Um, I, I think I've come to, to appreciate, appreciate that stuff as much as, you know, uh, in the past I had enjoyed the dessert stuff, but I don't know. I think some of that's just also a process of, of getting a little older and certain things like, you know, you, dessert in the moment yeah great but then you know a little while later it's like yeah that that was not a great decision so i i think that's just one of those one of those things in life yeah i find that with like breakfast foods like i when we were out for colorado through that trip i mean i wish i could eat like i did in colorado every day and have that like self-control because we were constantly moving so in the mornings i would have a bowl of um of oatmeal with like blueberries or strawberries, whatever we had. And I'd normally, cause I just get the, um, what is it? The Quaker oats, like the ones that come in a pack or little prepackaged yeah. dishes, yeah. whatever. Um, and I'd eat two of those at a time because I needed the, the calories, but then I really wouldn't eat anything until we had dinner then because we were just out, we were moving so much. I'd maybe have like a protein bar or something throughout the day. And then at night after we got back from dinner, I'd have maybe like a little snack, something small. But compare that to how I eat on a daily where now it's like two and a half meals a day plus snacks. It's like, yeah, it's something needs to shift there. Uh, yeah. Just because the, and it, it, like we've talked about before, it all goes back to like that sugar, uh, sugar addiction because everything is so jam packed with it. Yeah. Yeah, because it's it's what sells. So yeah. it's it's kind of we have the whole system based around that. Um, going on to a, a a little bit of a photo related topic. Um, I was talking to a friend a week or so ago, and I was talking about how you know about that same time last year, how my wife and I had been in Hawaii. We spent some time there, and it was it was a great trip. And then he says, you know, are, are you thinking about going back? And, and I said, yeah, you know, I think we'll probably go back there within the next year or so. Cause you know, we really enjoyed our time there. Maybe go to a, a different Island and, and check things out. And he says, you know, that must be, he, he said, are, are you're, you're not going to bring a camera anything, Are you? I'm like, oh no, no, not going to bring a camera. And he said, you know, that must be really tough for you, you know, as a photographer to go to this beautiful place and to not have a camera. And I, I was telling him, no, it, it really isn't. Um, 
like I, I was trying to explain to him how, for me at least, I have to be in a specific um, mindset when it comes to taking photos. And by default, that mode is turned off. Um, so I have to specifically turn that, that mindset on when I go on the trips. And I think also that might have something to do with the first day funk a little bit, kind of getting that, getting into that mode where, you know, here I am, I'm ready to do stuff. But I think that for a lot of people by default, and this might also be for people that are newer to photography, where everything's all uh, new, different, you don't quite have a feeling for everything yet, where that mode is turned on by default, and then you have to kind of turn that off. But I was thinking about how this relates to burnout, because I hear people talking a lot about burnout when it comes to photography, when it comes to art and that kind of stuff. And I was thinking about how I, I don't get burnout. Like I, I've been doing this for a while and I, I don't burn out, but I think it's because by default that mode is turned off. And so then it's a matter of turning that on, it's engaged for a while, then I shut it back off again where it doesn't have an opportunity to burn out. So I'd be curious to hear your thoughts and your experiences based on, on that. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to seeing compositions and like looking around, I'm my f- photographer mode, whatever you want to call it, is it's always on. I'm constantly able to point out different compositions, nice light, all that kind of stuff, because it's something that I've observed over the past 10 years and have gotten uh, eh, it's a decent at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it still like you i don't i don't feel a need to go out and photograph every single thing i don't i i much rather enjoy seeing the nice light like so for instance the other day i I was letting i think lucy out and these two little birds were chasing a hawk around a hawk must have gone into their tried getting into their nest to take whatever um and the hawk went out out into the field and landed on one of the the power line uh, towers and was just sitting there. I'm like, I have the lens for this. I want a photograph of a hawk. And for maybe half a second, I debated going, running inside and trying to get a photograph of the hawk. But yeah. at the same time, I'm like, no, like, A, this isn't how I really would want to photograph a hawk in the first place, like chasing after it like that. And yeah, that's just, yeah. And B, it's, it's so much more for me about the moment and enjoying being in nature and seeing nature as it happens than it is about me documenting every single little thing. And I think that's also part of why I continue to go back to large format because with digital, it's so easy to document everything. It's so easy to pick up the camera quick, take a quick photo, even if it's not a great one, and say, hey, look at this awesome moment that I saw versus just enjoying it because... I, we've talked about it before in the past, just like with concerts. You go to a concert and you're watching the concert through your through your phone because you're taking a video of it. Exactly. So, so for me, like, yeah, the photography mode is is always on in terms of seeing compositions and such and noticing beautiful things. But that doesn't mean that I need to go and photograph it or bring it bring a camera with everywhere that I go. And yeah. even with the Rico, even having that with me all the time. There are still times that I pass things up because I just would much rather enjoy the time or enjoy enjoy the moment than ruin it with the camera by introducing that. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, 
And it's, I mean, it's something where, I mean, I'll, I'll certainly notice things. I'll, I'll, I'll be out and I'll, I'll see something. I'm like, oh, that's a cool texture. That's a cool plant. You know, I'm wondering what that is. So there's still that same sense of curiosity, that same sense of noticing things. But there, but there's never a moment where I'm like, oh man, if only I had my camera here and if only I could take a photo of this. For me, it almost comes with a sense of relief in terms of like, this is beautiful, but I'm glad I don't have the added um, stress. I wouldn't say, yeah, maybe stress. I was going to say pressure, but it's not pressure, maybe more stress. Um, but I don't have that added aspect of, of perhaps stress of, oh, now I have to make all these decisions and I have to do this and that. And, and although there are certainly those moments when working with large format where you do truly get to enjoy the process, usually it's a matter of, you know, the moment when you're sitting there staring at the scene and, and, you know, the cable release in one hand and just, you know, waiting for that moment when the wind is calm or whatever it is. Um, I mean, I, I love those moments, but it's um, everything that kind of goes into setting up. And it does make me wonder if, if I was working with digital, whether I, that sense of uh, wanting to make sure or wanting to capture everything around me, whether that would creep back into the picture. It might, but I suspect it probably wouldn't. Um, just just from the standpoint that, you know, it, it does take a certain mentality to be just in that particular mindset, and and that that's also one of the reasons why I do need to be, you know, why I don't really do anything local as we've talked about in the past, where you know I, I do need to be kind of separated from you know sort of the everyday life where it forces me to you know engage that that photography mode. Um, but it does have me wondering if, if that's one of the reasons why I do hear so much about people having burnout when it comes to that stuff, just because that mode's always turned on. Of course, it's going to burn out because it's, you know, you can't keep doing, you keep can't having, you can't keep having that same mindset going just all the time. And, and I think that might be one of the issues um, that's out there. Why, why people do have that sense of burnout. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just look through my phone to see the behind the camera pictures that I take for uh, just documenting the date and everything of when I took a photo. Um, mm -hmm. And I went out the first time after getting back from Colorado that I went out with a camera and actually took a photo was November. And so that was four months after we got back was the yeah. first time that I went out with a camera. And then the next time after that, and that was early November. And then the next time after that was like mid-December. And then after that was uh, just this past Saturday. And that was literally just walking around the field uh, because with Emmy for her first time in the snow. Um, and just because um, I wanted to see what its kind of composition, small scene compositions I could get just yeah. because of the snowfall and all that stuff. Um, but even like focusing on local stuff, it's... Like I said, it's it's all about that mindset that you bring into it. It all yeah. that determines everything for you. I mean, if you go in thinking you you can go into the woods thinking kind of like I think three different ways. You can either think I'm going to go in and I'm going to photograph everything that I see. Just if I see something beautiful, I'm going to photograph it. And you can come away with like 200 to 500 photos because everything in nature that you see just happens to be beautiful that day. The light just hits right. Or you could go in saying, I'm only going to photograph what is meaningful to me, what calls out to me, 
and you still come away with 100 to 200 photographs. Or you could go in how I do when I go into these walks in the woods, more mm -hmm. so of I'm going to be really selective of what I photograph and I'm going in to enjoy the walk, to enjoy the time spent just being in nature versus doing something in nature. Yeah. And I'll come away with anywhere from zero to six photographs, depending on how long I'm out and various other conditions. But, and you could still come, you could still follow that mindset and come away with a ton. But I think how, I think the mindset that you go into it, if you go into with a mindset of, I want to just enjoy being in nature, even if you do come away with a bunch of images, I don't think you'll burn out as quick because yeah. of the reasons behind your what you're doing. I think if you're going out and I think pressure plays into this too. Like if you have a bunch of pressure on yourself feeling that you need to take photographs because a lot of people do these days, especially with Instagram and posting daily yeah. or posting multiple times a week or most multiple times a day. There's a lot of pressure that comes with that that's made by yourself for the most part, but that could still be there and detrimental to something that should be enjoyable otherwise. Yeah. And I was just thinking about when you're saying how, you know, from your your trip out to Colorado, then after that it was and, and that and the trip to Colorado was was summertime, I believe, or spring, summer, somewhere in that range. Yeah, it was uh July to August. July yeah, so from from there to November to December, uh, uh, and then to currently, as far as you know, the times you've taken the camera to take pictures, I think some people would would look at that and go like, "Wow, that's that's crazy that person can go months and months, you know, between taking pictures." But when I was when you were saying that, I was thinking to myself, "That's more frequently than I go out and take pictures." You know? Yeah, I mean, like <laughs> for, I don't for me it was June and then like October, and then it'll probably be. February or so uh, before I'm out again. So for me, that's normal. Right. But I think for some people, that's that's definitely not very normal. I, I think, like even thinking about it, I'm the only thing that I miss. I don't miss going out with the camera. I miss going out to be in nature, and my priorities yeah. are for being in nature. And that that has been a shift in again mentality that I have been working on for years now, and mm -hmm. is finally starting to take hold more. So it's not a matter, like I said, of, oh, you know, I really miss going out with a camera. And because if I do, then I would just go into my backyard or into the field, walk around for a bit and take some photos because it's because that mentality is missing the action of taking photos. But that's not what I like. I like yeah. the action of being in nature. And if I take a photo, so be it. And yeah. that is such a healthier mindset than what so many other people have. Like, cause I, I've heard of, and I know of a decent number of photographers out there who are popular. I'm thinking of one in particular right now that really, they don't like being in nature. They don't like nature, but they're nature photographers and they're making oh. a really good living off of being in nature and like, or not being in nature, but taking these photographs. And it's like, well, like, yeah, you're making the money from it, but that's the same thing as working a corporate job for you or I, where exactly. There's no enjoyment, but hey, at least the money's good. Like I don't, I don't understand the mentality. I mean, I guess if it works for you, then it works. But yeah, I, I can see it's, it's something that a person essentially falls into with time. They figure out, oh well, this is this is a way of making money. But it, it, it is a bit strange, especially for something like um, like landscape photography, nature photography, where usually the reason people get into it is because of the connection with the environment 
Um, but now with the um, sort of the whole influencer culture stuff, it just becomes that, you know, nature is just a backdrop, I, I think, for for certain sort of posts and stuff on social media where it's it's not as much about that. It's simply just a, a place to get a different backdrop. And and I, I see how if a person fell into, they found that they can make money with landscape photography, but they don't truly enjoy, you'd think that that would come through in the work in some degree. I'm not sure how, whether it would just feel like the the work is a bit forced or, I mean, because there's a lot of exploring, there's a lot of spending time in nature and and you can tell when a person is going through all the effort to try to do a location justice in some degree. You could tell that they've explored, that they that they love the area and that they enjoy spending time. I think that does come through in the work. Um, I, I can see how perhaps it might be more of a little more of a surface level relationship if it's not um if it's not something they are as um invested in or not something that they appreciate as much if it's more about the the final result and not the experience itself yeah or they're the people that are going out to the real popular locations where you're walking 10 feet into nature or you're right off the roadside <laughs> yeah. anyway so yeah. you're just taking the what's popular and selling it to people that are that were there, but their iPhone pictures turned out to have a bunch of heads in them from not having it up to high enough or whatever. Yeah. That's, yeah. But thinking on influencers and everything too, I saw this video from a pet influencer and, you know, Ben, I think, I think I'm going to start an account for Emmy and start to rake in the cash <laughs> because yes. it is absurd how much some of these people are making or uh, claim to be making. They were, yeah. uh, the group on uh, landscape photographers world uh, worldwide discord was just talking about this maybe a day or two ago about influencers and the the truth behind when they make posts like this of oh i'm making x amount per post and like oh i'm trying to be uh, more transparent and everything well yeah this this pet influencer in particular uh posted a reel about how much they made each month throughout 2023 and i just i want you to take a guess just a random guess here how much do you think they made per month uh and are, are we talking uh you said real so we're talking instagram here yeah yeah um i know whatever i'm gonna guess it's gonna be way too low so i'm gonna double uh, i'm i'm gonna say uh 50 000 a month you're a little high there but okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this this one in particular claims that they've been working at this, and this could be all truthful. I, I yeah. don't. You never know what to believe. But regardless, they they were going through, and they said that they made about ten thousand dollars per month. Okay, which a court, which like, is what I was I was kind of thinking that, but I'm like, it, it's usually way more yeah. than I think. So so, uh, so, so I, this I is clearly it, yeah. this is clearly someone who is just starting out in Ben's world. Of fifty thousand dollars <laughs> yes. a month, but I mean that's how much I'm making off each of my animals. You know, you, you see all yeah. those uh, pictures of 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 Derpy and uh, Finley and Winston hanging out. I, I mean, I'm, I'm raking in fifty grand a month. They're, yeah. they're making only ten grand a month with their uh, pet influencing. Uh, maybe they should be a little more influential. Apparently, or need a cuter or derpier dog. Not sure, but <laughs> yes. but still, you think about like ten thousand dollars a month. And then someone in the comments 
actually added up what the actual numbers per month that they gave because not every month was uh, 10,000. That was just like the rough, real rough estimate. And according to what this person added up, it was like $220,000 in 2023. So some wow. months were significantly higher than 10,000. So like the first, because they said that they had been working on this for on and off for a bunch of different pets that they have for like seven different years or seven years. Um, and then it just took off this past year, I guess. Um, so the first few months were maybe like five, then eight, then 10 and onwards up, whatever. But $220,000 for the year. Like, that's, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. I, I mean, to me, something like that, if, if there's a large amount of money coming in for what is effectively mindless work, it would just not, I, I would not have the fortitude to be able to do something like that. Like it would just, it would just feel like this is not right. I, I know, I know it's easy to say, but I would just, I would not be, I don't know. My, it, my it, problem with it is, yeah. my problem with it is the fact that you now just turned your pet, something that you are, that you love or you claim to love and everything into a product. Yeah. Like you are selling that's that's really what you're doing is you're selling your pet and the cuteness of your pet or whatever to the masses to make a bunch of money and yes that that money clearly could do a lot of good in terms of ensuring that pet has one damn good life and is spoiled <laughs> to all hell i'd say so but yeah. but still like for me to be like okay emmy we're going to go outside and we're going to take a bunch of videos of you being cute and I'm essentially going to use you so that we can live a lot better, but really I want to do this. Like yeah. I, I could imagine that there are times and hopefully there aren't many or any pet influencers like this out there, but I'm sure there are, that force their pets to go through these tricks and do all these stunts and everything and retake video after video because they need to get it just right for that product placement. I just, that just feels so wrong to me. I just, I couldn't yeah. imagine doing that. Like me posting pictures of Emmy and everything on, on stories for Instagram is just because I think she's cute in the moment. That's what she's doing. Like, yeah, I'm not forcing her to do anything that she wouldn't otherwise be doing in her derpy, weird little way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just, it, it seems like it would get very monotonous and very old, very fast. There'd be no real challenge to it. Um, and again, I know it's easy to say this as a non-pet influencer, um, but uh, it just—I don't know. It—it's—it doesn't—it doesn't strike me as it—it. It, I don't know. It just—it just feels very, um, very strange. Now, I will say that um, on on the same Discord, the Landscape Photographers World Discord, um, another thing I have here, kind of written my notes as far as some things to bring up. Uh, there was a, a post a little while back, and I don't have it in front of me, so I don't know who it was, but it was uh, there. A, there was a discussion about uh, fall color and understanding why certain leaves will turn certain colors, um, which I found to be very fascinating. And it, looking back at this information, I was able to look at some of the photos I have and then understand why the trees are behaving the way that they were because 
in in Zion, for example, uh, the maple species there, they're called big tooth maples. Um, and they'll grow in all sorts of places, generally on, on hillsides. And if they're on hillsides, they're generally up against cliffs. And during the fall, I'd noticed that some of the maples would consistently turn red. Some of them turn yellow. Some of them are orange. And it, it would vary a little bit from year to year. Like one year, there might be one tree that turns red. The next year, it might not be quite as vivid of a shape of, uh, shade of red. Um, but I could never figure out why it was. I mean, I, I was like thinking perhaps there are some changes within them in terms of traits and this and that. But as it turns out, and the way that it was explained on the, uh, the, dis- on the Discord, uh, basically, uh, once it starts getting cold, it shuts off the, the valves, the outflow valves from the leaves. Um, and then just so long as it is sunny and the tree gets a lot of uh, daylight, uh, the photosynthesis continues, but it keeps building up these sugars, which is what makes the leaves turn red. And so essentially what I noticed as well is that the trees that get a lot of sunlight, uh, once that switch has been flipped, they're, the, they're going to be the ones that turn red. But if those trees don't get as much sunlight, then they'll turn yellow or maybe a little bit of orange. And I started looking back at the various photos I've taken of maples. And sure enough, the, the trees that get blasted with a lot of sunlight during the fall season, uh, just the way that the, uh, the cliffs are and the shadows fall with the, uh, the sun tracking across the sky, those ones will usually turn red. The ones that don't get as much sun usually turn yellow. And uh, if there wasn't as many sunny days, then the reds aren't quite as vivid. Um, so it was, it was just kind of interesting to get that background knowledge of it takes uh, that cold temperature to, to shut off those valves. And then as much sunlight as there is, will determine the, the color of the leaves. So, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting to learn stuff like that. And then to, uh, see examples of that in out in nature in a place like Zion, but you know, just one of those fun things to learn. Yeah. I'm actually just found the, uh, the person that explained all of that. That was beginning of December. Um, yeah. Who, who was the person? Cause I want to make sure we give them credit. I will, <laughs> I will post a uh, a link in the show notes to the actual thread and to their Instagram. Their Instagram handle is at Palms of Vancouver. Um, because I'm gonna butcher their Discord name. Sam, I think, yeah. is his name. It's Philo Philo Stashy Sam, something like that. He's a he's a uh, horticulturist, so I'm sure yeah. that plays into his Discord name here. Um, but yeah, really great thread going down at really great information for that even as a black and white photographer who doesn't care at all about <laughs> fall color but yeah. yeah um yeah i've i've always been interested and my dad's asked before too like if i knew anything about uh why fall color goes along how it does and all that stuff i'm like no no not really but now i can say i do so yeah it, it was just one of those things where Especially in Zion, I think because there are so many variables at play, um, like you just see like, you know, here's this one tree that was orange last year, but now it's red, but then it's yellow. And, and I could never figure out what it was that was going on. But once, uh, once they broke it down with how that process actually works, um, then there were some, um, some maples on some hillsides that get a lot of color. I'm like, oh yeah, well, that's why those ones are always red. Um, so it's just, it's just one of those things where when you're out in nature and you observe those things, at some point you, you figure out 
why it is that, you know, something happens the way it does. And I think that only helps to uh, build a greater sense of appreciation for, for the world around us. So that was, that was a, something that I thought was really, really fascinating to, to, to understand and to learn. I hope you enjoyed our creative banter. You can learn more about Cody's work by visiting his website, CodySchultz.com. And you can find my work at BenHorn.com. For further discussion, join us at Patreon.com slash Creative Banter. It's a place where we can interact with you, the listener. And although we greatly appreciate those who contribute by joining a tier, discussions are open to everyone, whether you're a paying member or not. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you around next time.